This is Mouth Media Network, the business of being heard. Hi, I'm Jason Gilmore. I'm the Senior Vice President of Consumer and Digital Marketing for Allergan Aesthetics. Uh, we're most well known for the market-leading neurotoxin. And what I love about beauty is really beauty is about confidence. You know, I think it's it transcends culture, uh, gender. It's something that we all feel, you know, there's a reason we get our hair cut. There's a reason we get dressed up. You know, we put on our favorite jacket or our favorite dress. Uh, we all know it and feel it. And I think it's a big part of how we present ourselves to the world. And so that's really what makes me passionate about our category. My name is Dr. David Schaefer. I'm a board certified plastic surgeon in New York City. And what I like about beauty is there's no right answer. So as a plastic surgeon, I can use the tools that I've learned to help people reach their own potential, asking them what they like, what they want to look like, what their potential is, and then I can help them achieve that. From New York City, you're listening to Beauty is Your Business, covering the intersection of innovation and business in the beauty industry. Welcome, Jason and David, to Beauty is Your Business. We're so excited to have you on the show. Thank you. It's great to see you. Yeah, thank you, Karen. This is Karen Moon, and I'm here with my amazing co-host, Abby Wallach. Great to meet you. And April Franzino. Hi, everyone. So, you know, this is a really interesting episode because you guys have launched a new loyalty program. So would love to hear about that um, from you, Jason. And then also, you know, I think it's also so, such an interesting time to create a loyalty program during the pandemic when so many um, different practices and businesses are trying to figure out how to digitally get in front of the customer. would love to like kind of hear your take on that as you share the vision for what you guys are doing and where you're at now. Yeah, happy to do that, Karen. And thank you for, for having me uh, on the podcast. It's it's a great opportunity to connect with you and uh, and talk a little bit about uh, the work we've been doing with our new loyalty program, Allie, uh, which is an aesthetics loyalty program, uh, probably most well-known uh, in its as it's uh, associated to Botox Cosmetic. Uh, you're right, launching launching anything in 2020 uh, was a challenge. I think uh, we all sort of grappled with it. And in the aesthetics market in particular, kind of in the beauty health aesthetic space, um, you know, our customers uh, are primarily physicians and nurses. Uh, they are elective providers. Uh, and when folks were forced to lock down, as you can imagine, uh, it impacted uh, the aesthetics market significantly. Um, you know, our customers were not able to open in many states, and in some states, they're still restricted. Uh, so, you know, rolling anything out that was a tool to provide value to consumers uh, and to providers, uh, you know, might have seemed, you know, untimely. Um, but, you know, that work began uh, before COVID struck, like many things, it was impacted by COVID. Um, but the market has come back very strongly, uh, surprisingly strongly, in my view. Uh, and what we're finding is digital uh, innovation is really accelerating. And this is obviously not specific to aesthetics. It's, it's happening all over the economy now. Everybody's working remotely. They're staring into Zoom cameras. They're seeing themselves uh, like I am right now uh, with all of uh, my many flaws. Uh, and you become self-aware and you think about uh, how you present yourself. 
Uh, and so I think the launch of Alley providing more rewards, curated, personalized offers, more content about uh, you know credible aesthetic procedures uh, has turned out to be quite timely, even though as we were rolling it out in the midst of COVID, it created real challenges for us. So I'm very excited about it. It's gone very well. Um, our customers have adopted it. Uh, you know, we have tens of thousands of providers. We have, it's only been live in the U.S. for three months and we have millions of consumers who've already used it. Uh, so it's been, it's been wonderful to see it roll out and physicians like Dr. Schaefer, I think have been, uh, you know, great, uh, advocates for it and have really helped us make it a, a better program for our consumers. Jason, can you walk us through like the details of it, of the program in general for people that might not be familiar with the ins and outs? Sure, sure. Yeah, it, it's one of those kind of secrets that, you know, if you're not in aesthetics, nobody's ever heard of it. But if you're in aesthetics, uh, you know, most consumers who use neurotoxins or fillers um, and even other procedures are familiar with uh, Allergan Aesthetics uh, traditional loyalty program, which was known as Brilliant Distinctions. Uh, Brilliant Distinctions had been around for 10 years. Uh, we had over 6 million consumers in the program. Uh, tens of thousands of customers used Brilliant Distinctions for years as a way to provide points uh, towards future treatments and discounts on future treatments. Uh, it was most notable for its relationship to Botox Cosmetic, uh, our Juvederm family of fillers, um, and other procedures that Allergan offers. Uh, you know, that program had been around for a long time, as I said, and, you know, we wanted to modernize it. Like any technology, like any program, you know, at some point you reach a point where you need to make it better and easier and simpler. You know, we have this amazing market in aesthetics where 65 million uh, Americans uh, say that they would be interested in the beauty procedures that we offer as a category. Uh, but we really only treat, say, five to six million people a year as, as an industry. So we have this amazing potential, you know, over 90 percent of people who'd like to be in the category who aren't today. Uh, we have amazing providers like Dr. Schaefer, who, uh, you know, know how to uh, treat patients. We have great products that work uh, efficaciously for patients. How do we make it easier for the nine out of 10 people who aren't in the market who want to be to get into the market? And so we saw an opportunity not just to reward patients who are already in the market, but to make it easier for potential patients to come into the market. So we thought uh, that a program like Alley that rewards more than just the procedures we have as Allergan Aesthetics, uh, but provided rewards uh, and value across all procedures, even competitive procedures, frankly. Uh, so we give points and, uh, and rewards for all procedures that are providers or most procedures, over 40 procedures that are not Allergan procedures. Uh, so that we can bring more consumers in. You know, if somebody's getting a microdermabrasion or laser hair removal, they can earn value on those things uh, so that they, you know, come into the market. We lower those barriers to entry and ultimately, I think, deliver uh, the value that, that potential patients want. David, I'd love to hear from your perspective as, um, you know, as a practice, you know, having to do a lot of things around digital innovation, social media, and especially in a crowded market where when I think about, you know, early new customers, there's so many different paths you can go, including Groupon and all these things that are super confusing around quality. Um, can you tell us how this is beneficial to you guys or how, um, how you guys are navigating through digital transformation and new entrants coming in, even like the digitally native brands and stuff? Yeah, definitely. And as a, as a plastic surgeon who also does injectables, we offer the full range of treatments. So as Jason was saying, being able to earn points on 
not just the injectables, but other treatments that you open or have available in your office gives you a greater opportunity to market those procedures and retain those patients in your practice. And I always talk to new practices that are building, you want to have external marketing and bring new patients in, but you also want to maintain the patients that you already have and build off of them because your current patients are your best patients. And the patients that you get from those patients are also very loyal patients. So to have a program where that you can easily earn points, uh, redeem those points, and use uh, towards the services that you offer, I, th I think is very important. We had a patient today that was previously on Brilliant Distinctions, and we enrolled her this morning in the Alley program. And it was, it was really amazing where how excited she was that she could easily transfer all of her points that she had on Brilliant Distinctions and use them towards her Botox that she had this morning. And she ended up only paying $30 because she had so much money uh, built up through her um, rewards that she had earned on Brilliant Distinctions. And so that's a patient that left happy because of the treatment she had, but also happy because of what she was rewarded with the program. So that's going to be a patient that's going to come back and probably tell her friends, hey, I've used this program. I saved all this money. It's a really great experience. And the other great thing that happened after the patient left, my staff came up to me and they said, we love Allie. And I, and I said, why? And she's like, it's so easy to use. And so it's really, uh, it's really great to have a program that, that offers all these um, advantages, but also is easy to use and makes everybody happy. So I have a question actually about the marketing and the distribution of the actual program. How does Allergan work with the doctor's offices to implement it and then vice versa? So is it a training program? Is it a technology? Could you give us the, um, the details on how a provider would, would use that? I guess, I mean, a, a practice? Yeah, absolutely. I'd be happy to, happy to talk a little bit through that. And as, as Dr. Schaefer said, you know, our aim was to make it really easy for, for the provider staff fundamentally. Um, you know, it, it, in our market, you know, the front desk is the busiest and often uh, least focused on part of our businesses because, you know, those folks have to check people in, they have to answer phones, they have to check insurance in some cases, depending on the type of practice. So, you know, when you have an application like this and it's a piece of software, it's a web application, uh, the provider or the provider staff log in and they have a screen where they're able to uh, look up patients uh, and provide uh, value through that interface. So if somebody, let's say, is getting Botox Cosmetic, they would get 200 points. 200 points is worth $20. It's a 10 to 1 ratio. So they log into that screen. And in many cases, they're looking at that screen, you know, eight hours a day. Um, you know, the aesthetics market has, as I said, tens of thousands of providers just in the U.S. And you can imagine within each of those practices, there are numerous staff who interface with patients as they come and go every day. Uh, so, you know, there was a great deal of training that had to happen. Uh, and to the question that Karen asked in the beginning in terms of the COVID impact, you know, much of this training had to be done remotely. Uh, as many practices were closed. So, you know, the normal uh, course of business for an initiative like this would be, uh, you know, more hands-on through our uh, field organization, through our training organizations. Uh, much of that had to pivot into being remote. Um, now, I think to some degree, it was almost, there was a silver lining if you could find one this year. Uh, doing software training remotely with people's a scalable enterprise, right? We can we can reach thousands of people on this podcast right now virtually. 
Uh, and so we did shift to more virtual means of training, uh, both for our customers and for our field organization. Uh, and frankly, they did a very, uh, a very good job. I think everybody was very motivated um, and, and hopeful that the program would be easier to use. And ultimately, the beneficiary are the millions of patients that we see every year. And uh, if we can give them more value, uh, I think that, you know, everybody was motivated to do so. So uh, it ended up going quite well. We, we ended up transitioning over uh, many, many thousands of customers in the span of six weeks. I think that speaks to um, the motivation and the, and the adaptability of our practices, given, you know, the constraints with COVID that they had to deal with. From, from the provider perspective, is um, interesting with Allergan, where normally a, a drug company, you might have your drug rep and they tell you about the medication or the, or the treatment that, that they offer. But the representative from Allergan that works closest with the practices is called the business development manager. So they're not only telling you about the products and the services that they have, but they're working closely with the practices to develop their business. And so our staff is you know, very familiar with, with our business development manager, and we work closely with them on not just Alley, but all the services that they offer. And it's, it's really a great service that's offered to the practices because it's mutually beneficial for both Allegan and the practice to build the business, not only the business of the products that Allegan has, but the business in general. So does Allergan work with, do you work with your customers to drive traffic into the doctor's offices based on locations like around the country? Is that, is it sort of a referral network? Cause Allergan is a company that supplies product, right? So you have the technology and then you have the service provider, the doctor, how do, how do you manage that? Um, how do you manage that flow of marketing and helping the doctors get the patients into their offices so they could actually use the technology? Right. Yeah. It's, it, it's so one of the you know main focuses of my organization here at Allergan Aesthetics is consumer marketing, uh, and Allergan has a, a legacy of investing significantly into this market uh, to drive consumer awareness. You can imagine, you know. There was, I mean, Botox Cosmetic is an iconic brand that's that's now very well known and has, you know, kind of worldwide brand awareness. Uh, but once upon a time, no one had ever, had, had ever heard of that. Now, I think we're in a place where, you know, we do have great brand awareness. And that's really because, you know, for a very long time, uh, I think, you know, Allergan has invested into consumer awareness uh, in building brands. We still do that. Uh, and, you know, as those patients, you know, become interested in, in seeing a provider, there's a number of avenues they take, obviously, you know, Google being a very big one. I think, you know, most consumers journey medicine begin, uh, you know, either through social media or search now. Uh, you know, we've seen on our side, and I'm sure brands in the category, uh, the, the, the shift towards social media where people are both consuming, uh, you know, content and also producing content. Uh, and how that uh, has, I think, benefited our industry tremendously. Uh, and then, you know, there are other ways that they come into providers like Dr. Schaefer, where, you know, they will, uh, you know, go to our websites and find providers in their local market through a zip code search and so forth. And where Alley comes in is to make it that, that whole experience easier. Uh, and then, especially once you've been treated, uh, you know, bringing them back in so we can deliver them more value over time. So actually, I'd love to drill into that a little bit more because on the surface, it's, um, you know, the customer side, it's a, a loyalty program and there's 
you know, some economic benefit. I'm curious to see if there's other intrinsic motivators. You know, it, it, in some ways, a lot of this is a CRM, right? And a database that's really valuable for both the provider, you know, both for Allergan's company and then and the individual practices. But is there plans and, you know, anything around, it just reminds me of what's happening in the medical record space, you know, to then track the different treatments of a customer um, and for them to even see their own journey. Curious, like, what's happening there today for the customer experience and what value that may or may not have for um, the providers, you know, from a CRM perspective. From a provider perspective, definitely having that data available through Ali and previously brilliant distinctions is fantastic. If you look at your schedule for the next week and you see that there's some openings, you can go into the program and see who has points uh, previously when the points expired, who had points expiring, expiring, and then you could uh, target those patients either you know directly with phone calls or texts or e-blasts saying to come use your points or we're offering double points this week or any other way to get people that you already knew were motivated by the points or, or the products and, and get them into your office to fill those um, empty spaces. Yeah, that's right. I, I think that the, in the question, Karen, I think where you're, where you're coming from is how, how do we leverage, you know, first party data really uh, fundamentally, if you're thinking about a loyalty program, if you're not in aesthetics um, and you're thinking about, you know, how does, how does a, a, a B2B business or a B2C business leverage these technologies? To, to grow your business. I think, you know, increasingly we're seeing, um, you know, the trend towards privacy, uh, there's regulatory constraints. I don't know if you have folks in the EU who listen to this, but, you know, you have, whether it's GDPR or whether you have CCPA here in the U.S., you know, there's a shift towards very, um, I think, you know, safeguards for how data gets used uh, fundamentally. And how do we do that in a compliant and safe way that's respectful of people's privacy? And I think, you know, as as businesses sort of adapt to these the new you know regulatory landscapes, um, really your first party consumer or your first party data becomes vital. And how you store that, the tools you use to 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 make best use of that, really to ease the customer's experience with doing business with you. Really, I mean, that's why the, the information is so valuable. It does create value for future, you know, advertising for targeting next customer, right? Because your next customer is gonna look a lot like your last customer. And so the more you're able to sort of build out your CRM, the more you can make that personalized to your customer, I think the, the better your services will be positioned and ultimately the more value your customer will get from your business. And I think the yeah, I think that's what marketing increasingly is going to look like. I think marketing is going to start to look a lot more like science and, and, and data science and engineering and less like creative. Uh, and create the creative process begins to get fueled by the data itself as opposed to the other way around. I think traditionally marketing has sort of you create campaigns and then data gets generated from that. And I think what you're going to see increasingly is the data actually will start to inform the campaigns. And so that becomes sort of a nice yin and yang process. So um, if, you're, if you're listening to this and you're sort of walking down the path of how do we incorporate personalization and data and CRM into our business in a coherent way, I think you need to think about it as the starting point. It's very interesting. I'm curious to know about, because Botox and Allergan products have become um, much more popular over the years and more and more and more people are using them at younger ages. How do you find um, 
the pricing in to to when people go into different practices to have Botox, and that's a very big conversation among consumers, right? Some plastic surgeons, um, dermatologists will have a certain fee because they're an expert at what they do, and then you know you can go somewhere else to have the product the service done and it'll be half the price. You'll find it on a Groupon. You know, how do you, how do you manage that from an Allergan marketing point of view? No, that's a great, great question, Abby. I mean, the way I think about, I think what's wonderful and sort of evidenced by the growth in this category um, is that I think these uh, products have a very approachable price point, irregardless of the provider that you happen to be seeing. Um, you know, we, we see in our research that, that, consumers actually, especially naive consumers, tend to overstate what they think the price point is going to be. You know, these are very approachable products. Um, you know, I don't think we're a market that needs to play on price. I don't think our customers need to. My guess is that Dr. Schaefer uh, is probably uh, someone who, given his credentials and his background, uh, more about the outcome uh, as opposed to the to the pricing. You know, so I think you know, we're seeing the growth in this market. Um, you know, we, we are seeing, you know, high single digit uh, to double digit growth in the, in the facial injectable market, um, both in the US and in the international. And so I think that speaks to the approachability in terms of pricing. And I think that the value that people get uh, when it comes to these products uh, also speaks to that. So uh, that's, that's how I think about it. I don't know, David, if you have a, have a point of view. From yeah, definitely, you know, you're, you're getting what you pay for. And there's more factors than just the product and the price, but there's who's uh, performing it and how it's performed. You could, you could have a, you know, a five-star dinner at a top restaurant, or you could go to McDonald's. Each one, you could have a hamburger, but the hamburger might be more expensive at the nice restaurant. And it's going to be a much nicer experience, a better uh, quality meat, that that kind of uh, thing. So you can't just look for the price of Botox, but you have to look at the result that you're going to get from it. So, you know, especially, you know, we're on the higher end of pricing in my practice, but you have a board certified plastic surgeon. I'm a national trainer for Botox. We have um, a full service of um, treatments to have here, different than, say, going to a med spa or somewhere else. And there's enough people looking for Botox to fill all of those categories, people that are going to go to the med spa to get their Botox, but also people that are going to go to the plastic surgeon or dermatologist to, to have their treatment as well. I can definitely speak to that. Um, also, this guy has 4.9 stars on Real Stuff, FYI, <laughs> just, um, just a plug for you. But I've also had friends who've had um, disastrous treatments, you know, where um, they, two friends actually who got masseter stuff and it paralyzed half their face for like six weeks, which is scary. So, yeah, I think it's all about someone who knows what they're doing. Yes, I couldn't agree more. For sure. And to that end, um, I assume that anybody who's part of the network is vetted as a provider in general, so you don't have to worry about those kinds of scary results that you might find yourself experiencing in other, other sort of under-the-table or less vetted channels. Part of the problem is that Botox is a general term. So sometimes they're referring to Botox cosmetic and sometimes they're just referring to neurotoxins in general. And um, so you have to look at the product that the patient's actually being uh, given. I show all of my patients the vial as I'm mixing it up so they can see this genuine Botox cosmetic from Allergan. Other practices might say they're using Botox, but really they're getting 
you know, some neurotoxin they've ordered on the internet or from some other company. So it's important to differentiate uh, between that. And then also the on-label and off-label use of uh, Botox. So there's areas that are on-label, the physicians are taught that, safety, and then there's other areas where people are kind of uh, bending the rules and using it in other areas that aren't on-label. And um, one of the great things about Allegan, they're constantly pushing uh, for the learning and study and getting more on label uses so that we can teach that to the other doctors. Can we kind of go deeper on this? Because this is a really interesting topic in a regulated industry, but it's very confusing for the customer. Like, how do we, like, if people, if there's practices or doctors on Alley or associated with Allergan, is that also vouching for, you know, kind of some of their quality, quality assurance? Like, is there any kind of regulating thing around their practices? You know, I'm just kind of thinking about there's so many parallels to what happens to suppliers like in the apparel space, for example, but there's different regulatory bodies. I don't know that that exists here, even though it's healthcare. Yeah, I, I can speak uh, superficially to that. I'm certainly not a, a regulatory attorney, and so that's that's a little bit outside of my purview. But what I do know is as a pharmaceutical company, um, you know, we have to sell our products uh, to healthcare providers who are appropriately licensed by their governing bodies. So it's usually managed, I, my understanding is at the state level. So, you know, we are not in a position to sort of discriminate um, on those credentials. That's sort of governed by their, their, their states. So what we do, the way we think about uh, outcomes, because as you can imagine, uh, when you're dealing with products like these, people's outcomes are, you know, intrinsically tied up in in our products uh, reputations um, you know you get uh, on your face so to speak and so we believe strongly in training uh, you know the company has invested for many 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 years uh, in what we call our allergan medical institute um, and we've trained many many thousands of injectors um, it, you know tens of thousands a year uh, are trained uh, in the U.S. through Allergan Medical Institute. Uh, and it's a huge investment into uh, the market because it's the right thing to do. Because we want, we want our providers to know how to safely use these products. Uh, and so that's the way that we manage what you're getting at, Karen. Yeah, and definitely when somebody's looking for a doctor, you, you want to look for somebody who's a board-certified plastic surgeon or dermatologist or ENT. And those are what we call the core physicians. But there's also outside uh, specialties that perform it as well, but you need a patients need to do their research and who they're looking for and who they're going to go to. Like you mentioned, the real self ratings and and those types of avenues. But to make sure you're going to a qualified doctor, you're not going to go to let's say a nephrologist to get Botox injected in your forehead. You know, just as I wouldn't go to a gynecologist to have heart surgery or something. You, you know, so you want to go to a specialist in what you're having done. And I think even though it's an easy and safe uh, procedure. You, you do have to go to somebody who knows what they're doing because you can have, you know, complications and other issues. The nice thing about Botox, it always goes away. So if there is an issue, it will go away. But you definitely don't want to have three months like your friend had where they, where they had an issue where they had to wait for it to wear off. It's better to get it right the first time than to have to try to correct it and, um, and get you through that time. And then also, like, I'd love to kind of stay on that topic. As a small, you know, essentially as a private practice, there's so many different avenues, you know, I'm sure you have to imagine, you know, manage like social media, but even there's platforms like this or real self where you can kind of get your name out there. 
is that something you guys dedicate time to and, and think about? Because um, you're doing so many things in your daily business anyways, right? Um, how do you think about that or what are the tools for other practices to think about um, as they get more digitally savvy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely, definitely can get overwhelming with how, how many ways to uh, market your practice and stay engaged with your patients. And, you know, at least from my perspective, perspective, I like to keep it personal. You know, patients like to see a personal story about me talking about my experience or one of my patients. So it's not the quality or the quantity of the content, but I think the quality of the content, I think, is very important. So to focus on having those review from a patient or talking about their experiences is really good. But um, but definitely it's time consuming as well. So as, as you're building up your practice, having partners like Allergan who can provide you with digital assets to use um, for your website or for social media is very helpful. And then bring it back to Allie. Allie has educational information on it as well as just looking up how many points you have or, or provider access. Yeah, Karen, I think uh, just on this topic of social media, this is, this is actually where I started my career was in uh, digital media. I was the CEO of a digital media company for a long time. Uh, and it's been very interesting to see how influential social media has become in the aesthetics market. And I'm sure probably every industry, but you can imagine given the nature of what we do uh, for our patients, you know, social media has a major impact. Um, and it, it's been wonderful to see providers uh, like David um, use this medium as an educational place uh, to, to, to help patients understand what we do. Um, I think it's a major driver in the growth of the industry, frankly. Um, it's something that my team spends a, uh, an enormous amount of time on. Proud of the work that they've done. Uh, and I think that's really where Allie is um, also positioned with our providers and our consumers, is it's not just about providing uh, rewards who are in the market. It's also a way to bring our message uh, through social media, um, you know, expose them to new uh, interesting procedures um, and leverage uh, the content that we as an organization create uh, through our providers. So it's uh, it, it's exciting in that um, uh, in that channel to see uh, that coming to pass. You know, it's already had I think Ali Instagram has something like 150,000 followers in just the last several months. Um, you know, which, which, you know, it's not uh, to the same level of Botox Cosmetic, but it's getting there. And I think it speaks to the demand. If you run a brick and mortar store, guess what? You have a problem. Retail storefronts can't drive immediate conversion. And you can only have so many shoppers inside safely. Any hours you're closed, you can't make sales there. And if you make a product, your product packaging is static by nature. It can't be continuously updated, which limits the consumer experience. The next time your customer might interface with you is probably when they need to buy something else sometime in the future. Even more importantly, retail storefronts and product packages both lack a human connection. Are you able to tell the same stories in your own voice to your customers like you used to in the past? Social distancing, the move to commerce, or you've just grown beyond that opportunity? You need to take a look at StoryDot. Engaging the customer throughout their journey from store to website to product packaging, StoryDot supports a quick, contact-free, 
physical to digital transition, letting you tell your story to the customer and enable them to take action and motivate them to share that story on social media. No matter where that customer is, they can hear the exact story you need them to hear. And that can convert into sales and elevate their experience and turn them into your marketers when they share on social media. And key user data is generated providing more mapping of the relationship with customers. You need to see StoryDot in action and explore how StoryDot can connect the dots between you and customers. So visit www.storydot.com. That's www.storydot.com. It's, it's interesting. I think um, what, what was fascinating to me about bringing you guys together and, you know, as we, as the host and I, we're all talking about this, it's like Botox is one of those marquee B2B2C case studies. You know, I think when I think of the best ones, it's Botox and probably Intel, along with some other pharma companies like Viagra. Um, what do you think for new innovations, you know, across the value chain? I think, you know, I'm looking at a number of ingredients that are more sustainable and it's like new people bring up things that are B2B2C, even in different industries, what do you think is the right playbook to create awareness? And, um, you know, obviously to the intermediary, um, you know, practices or whatever, down to the consumer. So the customer is actually asking it, asking for it. Yeah, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. No, it's it's an interesting question. Um, you know, it's something that I thought a little bit about because I've obviously learned a lot over the last year. Um, you know, I manage a, a a group of folks who are on two coasts, and you know, having to sort of pivot through COVID. Um, and you know, what am I going to take away from this experience, and what have I learned? Um, you know, so I think if there was a great deal of change management as we rolled this out, and I think you know, if you're if you're listening to this and you're you know running a large company or you're um, an executive in a large company or even a small company, frankly, where you do have this sort of intermediated relationship between uh, end customer, end user, and in sort of your channel, you know, how do you develop, um, you know, any sort of change, any sort of innovation? How do you leverage digitization to grow your business um, and not be on the, on the receiving end of it and have your competitors uh, disadvantage you? The way I looked at it um, over the last year and, and what I learned, good and bad, is I think the, and this is going to sound over, overly simplistic, but I think the simplest way to get it right is just listen to whoever uses your products. Um, really listen to them uh, fundamentally. You know, the work that we did with Ali was really listening to customers and patients. What do they really need? Um, you know, we in large organizations, um, in any business, you have a perspective, right? If you're an entrepreneur, if you're an executive, you know, you've gotten to where you are because you have instincts and you care, but it's easy to let your bias cloud your judgment. I think the simplest North Star, if you're going to engage in any sort of real um, innovative work, is just to listen to what your customers who use these products or services actually need. Um, every good idea we had for Ali, even to the degree of including points for other procedures really came from listening to our patients and customers. You know, they're, they're doing these other things. So let's, let's enable that. 
Um, let's make it easier to do that. Let's make it easier to come back to your provider. Let's make it easier to learn about these procedures. Um, and so that that's really, and then we just built off of that starting point. Um, you know, then there were other ways, you know, in terms of having to be flexible, um, not too dug into any one particular path when we hit a wall. Uh, and that's, and, and one of those walls was COVID, right? Like we had a very clear plan for how we we're going to test this rollout. We had a very clear, uh, you know, commercial execution in mind. And we obviously had to throw all of that out the window, uh, you know, around March 15th. So, you know, we, we, I think being adaptive, but ultimately, if you just listen to the folks who pay your bills, and I think that you also have to always look at the silver lining of, of COVID, you know, most of bad, but some good. And what Ali provided was a digital um, way to communicate with the patients. And it decreased the amount of time that the patient's standing at the front desk, which is great because people want to have less interaction um, with other people while they're trying to social distance. It gave them um, a way to digitally control and easily access their uh, points and also come in and, and still have their treatments that they want to have. So, I, you know, definitely, even though COVID threw a wrench in it, I think it, it was a opportune time to, to have the switch to the new Alley program because it offered uh, or facilitated uh, providing these treatments in a quicker way, too. Something that just came to mind that I was thinking about because... Um... Botox has scaled, right, over the past 10 years, more so than ever. What What are the demographics these days that are focused? Because I hear, you know, in the world that younger people are doing it more than ever. I mean, you know, as you age, it was always about, you know, you only did it when you started to see wrinkles, um, but now it's becoming more mainstream because of many of the things that Allergan has done to educate and, and spread the word. So I'm just curious, where where's the world at on Botox and the demographic? And is it even getting younger than it's ever been? Look at, just looking at my practice and how it's built over the last uh, 10 years, you have people, you know, definitely the people who you would normally associate with getting Botox, like middle-aged people are starting to see wrinkles but the younger people coming in as well. And one unique thing about Botox, there's not one use for it. So th there's many uses for it and expanding uses for it. It's, it's probably the most diverse population for any medication that you could think of. So I, you know, I, I think it's just going to keep growing and growing. So that that's really interesting. So then that makes me think about testing, right? Clinical, perceptual, you know, when you're, when you have a product, in the world and it starts to share, show itself that it can accomplish other things. How does Allergan, your huge company, how do you tackle that? Do you go into perceptuals and clinical trials so you can make a claim that your doctors can do to, you know, doctors are always trying things, right? You have to innovate and you only know by trying, but what, how does that look from a big co company like yours um, to know that, some that it is tried and true. Well, well, Botox Cosmetics has been studied for many, many years. And as David said, you know, it's, it's, it has indications for a broad use uh, for, for, you know, many different medical uses outside of just, you know, what we're talking about primarily right now, which is it's Botox Cosmetic indications. Um, and, you know, I think what's, what's exciting about Allergan Aesthetics is really the degree of scientific rigor that we bring to our clinical research um, and the number of studies that are performed. Um, and now as part of AbbVie, you know, Allergan Aesthetics is an AbbVie company. 
and AbbVie is, is most well known for Humira. Um, and as I've gotten more familiar uh, with the, the organization since May of 2020, when our transaction uh, closed with them, I've become extremely impressed. Uh, you know, I don't know if I've ever seen the, the scientific rigor that these uh, that the AbbVie folks, uh, in particular their R&D organization, bring to clinical trials. Um, you know, they they work in you know immunology and uh, you know oncology and a number rheumatoid arthritis, a number of different. Um, you know, fields in medicine and, you know, the degree of scientific uh, rigor uh, that that organization I think to marvel at. And it gives me a lot of hope and excitement, mm. frankly, about the future of the aesthetic space, uh, that such minds are being brought to bear on what uh, the future horizons of the industry might be. Uh, you know, what are the unmet needs that consumers have? Um, you know, what are the areas uh, that they, you know, would like us to innovate and invest in uh, as a scientific organization? So for me, you know, being a lowly uh, consumer and digital marketer, um, it gives me something exciting to think about, you know, where will we be in the next three to five I think years? We talked a lot about Botox, but I think Botox is kind of a gateway to all the other treatments that we do. And I think that's what's so great about Ali, which we talked about at the beginning here because it gives you that opportunity the patient who comes in first for Botox and then they see all the other procedures and treatments that, that you could have done. So it, it's, a, it's definitely great as we're talking about for marketing within our practice and exposing patients to all the treatments that you can have done and it brings all of that together. So I'm very curious to see how as um, things have been opening up during the pandemic and doctor's offices are accessible again, what, what kind of trends you've been seeing in what people are coming in for, whether they're coming in at the numbers they were before or more or less, um, and how things have been changing even over the past couple of months? Yeah, definitely the with COVID and the Zoom generation, we've, we've seen a boost in business. People are sitting in front of their computer, their phone all day, looking at their face. So the number of facelifts we're doing, uh, chin injections, which is a new indication for one of the products, is um, off the charts now, cheeks, and um, it's really been a boost for business. And um, even though my business is about 50% international and out-of-state patients, we haven't seen a drop-off in patients because we've had a a surge of local patients coming in. And so I can just imagine what's going to happen when travel starts opening up again, how business is going to be. And I know we're in the middle of New York City where we're still having a lot of close downs in other cities where things are opening up. I know they're booming as well. So um, definitely, I think patients are going to the medical offices and feel safe, especially, you know, as a surgeon and a doctor, I think it's a safe space during COVID. They know that we're going to take sterility seriously. We're keeping social distancing seriously. And, you know, we've made some adjustments in our office. For instance, one thing we do, instead of going to the waiting room, waiting for your appointment, and then going to the room, we're doing direct to room and then keeping the patient in one room and having different providers come in to provide the treatments to help with social distancing. But um, certainly, um, you know, offices are making accommodations for patients and patients are finding it safe to go into the offices. So I thought it was interesting you mentioned all these new indications. One, I want to know what they are. <laughs> but um, two, like, it's, do most of the patients come in knowing exactly what they want? And, you know, it's, you know, you mentioned earlier Botox is an interesting gateway to all these different things. Um, what are the consumer behavioral trends that you're seeing in the medical aesthetics business in general? 
Uh, I mean, definitely patients come in, they may have an area of concern that they want treated, or they may just know that they want something changed in themselves and they ask me. So part of it is the consultation process with the patient. And while I'm talking to them when they first come in, I'm evaluating them, looking at them, seeing how they animate, looking for symmetry, you know, key areas that we treat. But then you also hand them a mirror or have them look in their phone with the selfie camera on and ask them what bothers them. And then what's great about Allergan is we have a whole array of products and treatments that we can use all the way from the head, all the way down to the neck, and then for some of the body procedures, the whole body. So we really have um, a whole... Uh, toolbox that we can use to help the patient. And tying back to when I said what I like about beauty is that there's no right answer. You can use all those tools creatively to help the patient achieve what their goals are. To that end, is there a certain area that you're finding that you're treating more often like cheeks or eyes or neck? Or I feel like the neck is something that you notice on the zooms more than ever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right, right now, jawline jaw is really big right now. And also around the eyes is big because people are wearing their mask. And so all you see is the eyes, right? But then when you're on zoom is the, the jawline. And so um, those are areas that people are coming in for, but also people working from home, they don't have to get back to work very quickly so they can recover from surgery. So we even have people coming in for breast augmentation because they can have the surgery on Monday and be back on a Zoom conference on Tuesday and nobody at work knows that they had surgery because they didn't have to commute to work. Nobody sees them from below the neck. And so they can recover while they're still um, still working and not missing any time from work. So it's really not only the face because of Zoom, but really the rest of the body because you don't see it on Zoom. So you can recover from it. Very interesting. Now all of our brains are ticking like... <laughs> 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 well, it's also interesting, cool, because one of the treatments we offer is cool sculpting. And so basically you sit in a chair and you apply the treatment to where you want to freeze the fat, which is going to melt it and reduce the fat. And people can do their Zoom conference while they're sitting in the chair there. So we've had patients sitting there on business meetings with a Zoom. Nobody knows where they are that they're having a treatment done, but really below the neck, they have all these machines hooked up to them, melting their fat and uh, having their treatment with nobody knowing anything. Got it. Very cool. This is what the world has become. It's a <laughs> little nip and tuck. Wherever yeah. you can get it, take it. Exactly. Yeah. I'm all for it. <laughs> Love that. So up next, we are going to hit the pan with Jason and David and get to know them at a more personal level and understand the deeper layers of them. Culture starts at the top, and great customer experience, the only competitive strategy in today's world, is fueled by great leadership. We hear and read this every day, but many brands don't drive customer-first strategy. For those at the top who want to make that leap but don't know how, we'll learn from leaders who share what you must do to become customer-centric. I am Liliana Petrova, and this is The One Thing. The One Thing Customer Experience from the Top is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever the best podcasts are found. And now it's hitting the pan. 
So we're back and we're going to hit the pan with Jason and David. This is one of our favorite parts of the show where we get to know Jason and David at a more deeper personal level. To figure out who gets to ask the first question, we are going to take a spin of the doctor's chair and see where it lands. And it lands on April. All right. So I guess I'll just pose a question to both of you, um, which is, since we're talking about so many in-office treatments, I'm curious, what are the grooming products that, or product, singular if you want to just choose one, that you can't live without in your day-to-day life? <laughs> it, it doesn't have yeah. to be skincare. It could be a hair product. It could be a yeah. shower gel or I don't, whatever. No, I, I, I'd have to say hair gel because I, I have hair that just poofs up and gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And so I have to uh, calm it down. So de- definitely hair gel would be the one thing I couldn't live without. But I also think uh, for skin, and I'm a very big uh, proponent of it, is moisturizer for the skin. So one of my favorite products from Skin Medica is the HA5, which is a great moisturizer for the skin. And that, that's what, probably what I use the most. Otherwise, I've, because I use the Botox and the other products, I, I tend to have nice, smooth skin, and I don't really need a lot of the other products. But moisturizer and hair gel, I think, are the most important. Love it. Nice and simple. What about you, Jason? Oh, April, that's a tough, that's a very tough question. So before I worked for Allergan Aesthetics, <laughs> um, I would shampoo my hair with bar soap, if you can believe that. I, I'm like the least... Right, that's okay. Who told who told you to do that? Seriously? I think who that's t- actually a new sustainable trend, so maybe you're ahead of it before yeah. others. That could have Wait, been you're not supposed to wash going. your hair with a bar soap? I didn't know that. Oh, my goodness. I, exactly. I, I you know... My wife has got like a counter full of products and I was, I was, you know, limited to deodorant and bar soap. Um, I, now that I work here, I know better and I use uh, Skin Medica sunscreen. I'd say I use it about 60% of the time. I know I, you're supposed to use it 100% of the time, even on rainy days. Uh, sun protection is very important. Um, so I try to do that's that now. That's great. You, that's, I probably, Dr. Schaefer would say that is the number one most important thing. Well, you can do it home. You can do it home. Yeah, yeah, definitely sunscreen is very important. I love the sun, though. So I, I like to have a little bit of glow. <laughs> so you really so need the sunscreen. I, I, I use it in moderation. <laughs> love it. Thank you. So taking another spin of the doctor's chair, and it lands on Abby. So during this crazy time, what are you doing to keep yourselves entertained in your free time fun? What do you got? Um, I have three little kids. So, you know, it's, it's you know, being home uh, is, uh, is, is never boring. You know, I've got a 10 year old, uh, an eight year old and a five year old. And so it's sort of like a circus, you know, 24 seven in my house. Um, and you know, when dad works from home, they think it's the weekend all the time. So, you know, to my wife's chagrin, uh, so it's never dull. You know, we, I, I've had many conference calls where I have to, uh, quickly mute myself because my five-year-old son will run in and flush the toilet uh, in the background. And when you're on a call, let's say 200 people, um, having a toilet flush in the background is a little embarrassing. So, um, I know we've all experienced various degrees of humiliation in this positive world. I think it's becoming more the norm, right? Everybody's human. We, we all try, but yeah, it's, there's a lot going on in everybody's homes, which is a good thing, I guess.
right? Yeah, de David. definitely. Yeah, and um, definitely I got to spend more time at home and with my kids. I have two little kids, a three-year-old and a six-year-old. And, you know, they really enjoyed having dad home. But I, I also say that I'm a glorified manual laborer. I can't, I can't stay home and make a living. So I, I have to go into the office. But one of the fun things we started doing when I'm home is making fun pancakes in the morning. And so not, not only just making a round pancake, but uh, being creative and spelling the names and decorating them Aww. and making volcano shapes. And so, you know, when, when I can to, uh, to uh, wake up early and make them some fun pancakes before I go to work. So it's my son's birthday uh, next week. And That's he wanted to make great. sure that I wake up early and make him his pancakes before I go to work. Aww. So cute. So cute. See, these are the things you're going to remember, right? When we have a normal life. What are, what are the little, uh, little jewels that we yes. took away from being home for two years? That's so yeah. sweet. <laughs> Crazy. Okay. Another spin of the, um, the doctor's chair. We, used to, we always call it a salon chair, but I, I felt like the I, That was cute, Cara. I like that. I try. I try. Uh, and it lands on me. Um, so... I'd like to know what's like an important self-care uh, ritual. For me, you know, self-care has really been, um, especially post-COVID, um, increasingly important. You know, I, I've noticed uh, not just for myself, but for my team, the folks that I manage, um, we're working much longer hours, I think, than we used to. I'm routinely working, you know, 14 plus hour days working more on the weekends. I think sort of what seems to have happened is um, the guardrails or sort of the schedule and structure has sort of disintegrated a bit as people work from home. You know, you, you, there used to be a routine, you know, you'd get up, you'd brush your teeth, you'd take a shower, you get dressed, you drive into work, and then you'd do the reverse at the end of the day. Those routines are sort of falling apart. And so people are just working all the time. Um, and it's very hard to have any sort of structure. So for me, what I've tried to do to, for self-care is to maintain my routine. Um, you know, I, I, once I was able to safely come back to our office, I did so uh, just for the sake of having some structure in my day um, and to bring a routine back to, to my daily uh, life. And, it, and that's helped me a lot. Um, also trying to have some semblance of, of structure for my team so that they also are feeling uh, a little bit of normalcy. Um, I, I guess I didn't realize what a routinized creature I was until it was all, you know, obliterated. And so that that's my self-care routine, that and a lot of caffeine. Yeah, a, a lot, along the same lines, I think, you know, there's the self-care physically, but also the self-care mentally. And I think, you know, that saying to stop and smell the flowers once in a while, because we're all working very hard. We're working almost more hours or definitely more hours than probably we were before because of the access with Zoom and video conferencing. But I think just taking the time uh, to relax, call a friend or uh, catch up with a family member, I think is very important. And one of the things I've been doing because we weren't taking the subway for a while here in New York is walking to work and it's a two mile walk. But one of the things I love doing is walking through the Chelsea Garden District and you walk down the street and it's in the middle of New York City, but there's all these beautiful blooming flowers. And sort of literally stop and smell the flowers for a minute, I think, is a, is a great way to start my day. That's lovely. Thanks for sharing, guys. Um, so do you have any final thoughts for our listeners? You know, I, I think with everything we talked about today, from, you know, Botox to Juvederm to the Alley, which is the new... Um, program to help kind of bring it all together. I, I, one thing I talk to about patients is sometimes they're nervous to come in and then they do try the treatments and then the 
number one thing they say is, why didn't I start doing this five years ago? So I think one thing to tell listeners is, you know, make sure you're finding a good doctor, a good provider, go in and have a consultation if there's areas of concern that you have, and you can feel comfortable having the treatment. And um, hopefully, you can get those treatments sooner rather than later. So you're not regretting that you didn't do it five years previous. Completely agree with what David said. I've, I've heard that story many times. Why did I wait? Should have done it sooner. Um, it's, you know, and I think we're seeing that now post COVID people are embracing the things that um, empower them, right? We've all been a little bit disempowered and, um, you know, reclaiming a bit of our lives and, and embracing our own confidence. Uh, you know, we're seeing that play through in our in our market growth. And, um, you know, the first the first cosmetic treatment I ever saw actually was not an injectable procedure or a surgical procedure. It was a laser tattoo removal procedure on a six foot six man. Um, it was the, the exact opposite of what you would envision a stereotypical experience would be like in a, in a practice. Uh, I asked him, you know, the, the backstory of this procedure, and uh, he broke down in tears, this giant man. He said, you know, I got this tattoo, and I was a very different person. Um, and I want to present who I am now and be proud of who I am. Uh, and I, for me, that, that story will always be in the back of my mind because I think the way we look is a very emotional thing. It's not, it's not superficial at all. It's extremely personal and profound, and so I, and I see play, stories like that play out whenever I'm in a practice, and I'm sure David sees it every single day. Thank you. That's like such a nice, um, beautiful story. You know of, of how this all matters. And what is the best way for listeners to get in touch? So we love having people get in touch with us. One great way to find us is on Instagram under Schaefer Clinic, and also SchaeferClinic.com if you want to look at our website and it has our contact information. One thing I do encourage people to do is come in and visit us because once you see our place and uh, have the experience of the treatments, I think you'll be very happy. And for me, Karen, you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm uh, Jason Gilmore, Jason with two S's. I'm probably <laughs> the only unfortunate Jason in the world with two S's in his first name. Awesome. Well, Jason and Dr. David Schaefer, thank you so much for sharing all of your knowledge, insights. I think it's um, going to be incredibly valuable to a lot of the listeners, whether they're in software startups, beauty, doctors. And so we really appreciate your time and sharing your thoughts and um, innovations with us. Thank you all. This has been fantastic. Such a pleasure to do this with my good friends and co-host, April Franzino. Thank you, Karen. And thank you both for being on with us today. And Abby Wallet. Thanks, Karen. And it was great to meet both of you. This is Karen Moon with Beauty is Your Business. Look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Hugs and kisses. This has been Beauty Is Your Business, produced by Mouth Media Network, copyright 2021. Keep in touch on Instagram and Facebook at Mouth Media Network and find prior episodes at beautyisyourbusiness.com and wherever the best podcasts are found. Your brand message can be on this show. Email us to find out more at podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. Thank you for listening.